Hey everyone, welcome to Entrepreneurship by Design with Dr. C. I'm your host, Dr. Caroline, and thank you so much for joining us today. Entrepreneurship looks different for everyone. How and why we start our business, challenges that occur, pivots we have to make, success we achieve, all while life is happening. That's why I love sharing these inspiring entrepreneurs with you and shed light that there is enough room for everyone to succeed and thrive, even if you're in the same industry. I'm so glad you're here today because we have such an amazing guest with us, Melissa Ralphs. Melissa is a certified holistic health and life coach, helping busy women find freedom and feel at peace with food, their bodies, and their lives. She teaches how to find freedom from the struggle with food. She's committed to empowering women to break free from dieting, emotional eating, and self-image issues so they can ditch the diet mentality and feel empowered in their own skin. After her own tumultuous history with food, withholding, and then later in life binging, she learned how to deal with the core issues around her broken relationship with food. As a result, she felt called to go to school and learn to teach other women how to do the same. She graduated from the Health Coach Institute as a holistic health and life coach in 2018. She is a proud Boilmaker alumni living in Arizona with her husband, Chad, and her two kiddos. And thank you so much for being here today, Melissa. It is such a pleasure to have you. And I would love for you to just dive into your journey, how you got here today, and then we can go a little bit deeper. Well, thank you for having me, Dr. C. I'm really excited to be here. And I think how I got here is a great question because I ask myself that a lot. Like, <laughs> how did I get here? What am I doing? Like, seriously, it's a thing. Um, but I, gosh, I never thought that I would be doing this. I mean, when I was younger and in high school and going to college, this was not even on my radar. So it was through my own journey and own personal experience of healing and learning about the impact of food on overall health and nutrition. Um, my journey started about 12 years ago. Um, we had a newborn baby who wasn't sleeping through the night and we had a two-year-old who had some undiagnosed food allergies and sensory processing disorder we were unaware of. So that was very chaotic. My husband was traveling for work. And then on top of that, I was diagnosed with PTSD from childhood trauma. So that led me to therapy, obviously, but then also the naturopath and learning about like how the body works and how the body handles trauma. And all of that just changed everything for me and led me on this path to help other women who were where I was. So went to school to become a holistic health and life coach. And here I am. Ask anything. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You're such an open book. Like we were talking about earlier. <laughs> Um, that you said too, a lot of times we store trauma in our body and how that impacts us like with food and just how we go about life. And you don't even realize it because it's not something you're taught in school. There's nothing like there's so much more out there and resources than there was like 10, 15 years ago when we were growing up and whatnot. But I think it's so key that you said that because you don't know how the body can react to things. And I'm so curious if you could share more about your personal journey with food and how you led to become a certified holistic health and life coach. Yeah. So I remember like being eight years old and hiding like Pop-Tarts and cookies and candies and sugar in my room, because at that time as a little girl who was going through so much, that was how I handled the stress, the trauma, the overwhelm. And so food really became my coping mechanism. It carried through high school. High school got a little rocky though, because you know, you're at that age. We talked about it a little bit earlier where if you are involved in things like dance and cheer and then boys enter the picture and you, I felt like I needed to look a certain way to get that attention. And so 
I went from kind of binging and doing this sugary thing to withholding. And so I've always had this really unhealthy relationship with food, I suppose. So that carried then after high school into college where I went back to the binging because of the stress and that carried into marriage and motherhood and really just that diagnosis and really learning about the impact of food on overall health changed everything for me because I was living off of sugar to feel better, to help my mood, to help my energy. And I didn't know that it was making everything worse. I mean, it just, it was tanking my energy. I was needing more of the sugar to get that dopamine release to feel good. And so just my journey and everything I learned was like, people need to know this. Like people need to know the impact of food on overall health, not just for themselves as parents and people in society, but also the impact it's having on kids. Like there are so many kids who are struggling with behavior things. And a lot of it can be attributed to food and nutrition and things they're needing and lacking. And it's just, it's very important that people know this to me, like it's very near to my heart. So that's why I'm here. I appreciate that. And I think it's something that's so easy to access now too, like the sugar that's available, especially getting cake pops from Starbucks and just like cookies and ice cream and all these wonderful treats. But when you get so much of that, that can impact your mood. And there's so much research about that too, but it's having that balance within. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be hard to find and everybody's different. Everybody's body chemistry is different as well. And I'm so curious because I know you work with a lot of women. What are some of the core issues that you help women address when it comes to the relationship with food and how do you guide them towards finding that freedom and peace? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of it is kind of what you attributed to earlier, Dr. C. Like we aren't taught these things. We're not taught how to listen to our bodies. We're not taught that food can either energize us and make us feel really great or it can deplete our energy and make us feel really bad. Like I was not aware of any of that. I wasn't aware that there was um, a hunger and fullness scale that I could listen to my body and learn, okay, this is my body telling me I'm hungry and that I need nourishment rather than, oh my gosh, I'm stressed and overwhelmed. I'm just going to go throw the bag of chips into my mouth, you know, and the same thing applies to I've eaten way too many chips. I feel like I'm going to get sick. Like there were steps I could have taken before that, that my body was telling me that I was full. So a lot of it is helping women tap into what their bodies are saying to them, how to listen to that, how to honor what works for them. Cause you said earlier, we're all different. We're all unique. And so it's really teaching them how to listen to themselves and their bodies, because that's not something we're taught. No, it's definitely not. And I think to just, you triggered a thought because I wrote my dissertation about mindful eating for kids. I created this whole school-based program to really understand because a lot of times it goes to calories. At least when I was growing up, it was like counting calories and just what I saw around me. Like we were talking about a cheerleading gymnastics world that was really present, but being able to identify what does this food feel like for me, like eating apple versus chips or a cookie versus asparagus or something, you know, but just how it really fuels our body. I recently just listened to a podcast about this lady called the glucose queen. I'm forgetting her name, but she was talking about how the sugar and the insulin and everything really affects our body and our mood and just being more aware of that. But I love that you really help people and teach them how to find that freedom and peace within themselves, because that can be so overwhelming. You have a certain habit that you have in pattern, but how do you break that pattern? And I'm curious, like, how do you help women break that pattern that they've been going or just they have kids or other factors that are playing a part? How do you navigate that? 
Yeah. And I think that's what I love about what I do is it's all different for everybody, right? Like we live in this world where we're told that one size fits all and, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I did this, Dr. C, you should do it too. You're going to have the same result. That is so not the case. Like it's just not because we're all different and unique. So it's Mm -hmm. really helping women slow down and learn to listen to their bodies, learn to kind of assess like what's happening in life. What season am I in? What do I need? Because our needs are always changing nutritionally like socially, like all of our needs are always changing. They're never going to stay the same. And so it's really kind of teaching them how to assess what they need for what season of life they're in and what works best for them. Because a lot of times we are so ingrained and so close to our situation, we can't see anything beyond that, beyond this. To have somebody kind of to come in with a different perspective, kind of give the bird's eye view, I think is really helpful because it's like, oh, I hadn't considered that because I'm so close to this. I don't, I didn't think of another way around it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Because it's just, it's so hard to see the outside when you're like in the midst of it too, because it can be challenging. You're so used to one way and then having to change that behavior or change that. And you're right. Everybody is so different in what our needs are, but that's what makes it so interesting too. And you never were bored. I'm sure. (laughs) No, not at all. No, I think part of that is we need to change what enjoyment is linked to because that's in the brain when you have enjoyment that's what creates the habit so if we enjoy getting up and going for a run we're going to do that whereas if we enjoy pushing snooze we're going to do that so it's really kind of helping people change how they view enjoyment and what that looks like because of course sometimes it feels really good to just sit on the couch and eat all of the ice cream but usually underneath that there is something more that we're craving. And so it's really kind of figuring out what do I really crave? What do I really need? And meeting that need and then having that become what's enjoyable instead of going to the ice cream on the couch every night. (laughs) No, that's a really good point. I think I have encountered a lot of individuals and myself, including where I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a morning person. So all my energy, fun things I do in the morning I've been trying to go at night to hot yoga and it just has not worked out every day. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go today. And I don't because I'm such a morning person. I feel better and I have no excuse in the morning. What you're saying, sometimes I just want to hit the snooze. I'm tired. It's been a long day. At the same time, I always feel better after I do it. It's never that regret. But I think when we start changing the habits or when we're doing something or replacing it, it can make such a difference because you enjoy it. And I think things will always get in the way, being able to move forward, still doing that. And I love that you were saying too, instead of just sitting on the couch and eating ice cream, yeah, that's that's cool every once in a while. But if you keep doing that, Mm -hmm. it's going to affect your mood. It's going to affect a lot of other things too, not just one thing. I'm curious because, you know, there's such this diet culture that we have where I think it now it's like shifting. It's always shifting, but especially growing up, I saw that and I'm sure you did too. And just from your experience that there was this heavy emphasis on calories and in the magazines and on shows and all these different things. How do you approach that challenge of breaking free from dieting and the diet mentality? And what strategies do you find most effective in empowering women to make lasting changes? Yeah, that's a great question because I think the diet culture is probably the hardest thing to break through because it's so enmeshed in us. We don't know any differently. I mean, you don't know that it's diet culture or where your thoughts and your beliefs and your habits come from until you kind of start to deconstruct that. And so it's really, you know, this journey of, again, teaching women how to listen to their bodies, how to listen to what they need, and then questioning, like, where does that thought come from? Where does that belief come from? And a lot of times Mm -hmm. it goes back to childhood. I had a client who 
she craved cheese and crackers. She didn't even like cheese and crackers. They made her feel terrible, but she craved them. And so, you know, just through being curious and kind of asking questions, she discovered that she craved cheese and crackers when she was stressed. Because when she was little, her family would get together, they would have all these games and they would eat cheese and crackers. So she was really looking for like peace and happiness in that moment. And the cheese and crackers signified that. So I think a lot of times it's getting to the core issue of what does this food remind me of? What does it bring up for me? What am I looking for? And it's through that process of like asking hard questions and doing some digging that we figure that out. And that's really where the freedom comes in because you've got to figure out where the root of it is and deal with the root rather than just trying to change the behavior, Yeah, which is what diet culture does. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're so spot on because it, it's crazy when you change the root, everything around you changes too. So you're not holding on to just, I'm changing this behavior. It's replacing the behavior, but finding out the core of it. And I love that that is your, one of your main focuses for your clients as well. And I would love, I know you just mentioned a client, but can you share a success story of a client who has transformed their relationship with food and through your coaching as well? Yeah, gosh, there's so many. And I think the one that comes to mind is um, I went to the client. She, her kids were the same ages as, as mine. So we are very much in similar seasons of life. And she was also very much like I was, loved the sugar, was very much drawn towards donuts were her favorite, um, cupcakes, ice cream. You know, she exercised every day. She was tracking her food. She was doing all the right quote unquote things. Mm -hmm. But I think the bottom line, Dr. C was a, she wasn't eating enough during the day. So come evening, she was famished. And that's when she would go towards the sweets um, and that sort of thing. But working together, I remember it was Memorial Day weekend and they were having family in and they were going to celebrate. So her husband brought the favorite donuts home. And the in-laws came and they brought cupcakes because they were celebrating and she was surrounded by all of this sugar the whole weekend. And the, the day the donuts came, she was like, they look really good. I'm not hungry. I'm going to set one aside. So that way, if I'm hungry for it later, it will be there. And so the weekend came, there was all of the cupcakes, the ice cream, all the things. And finally, after the family left, she was like, you know what? That donut sounds really good. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm not going to feel guilt about it. I'm actually hungry for the donut. I'm going to eat it and enjoy it. I'm not eating it because I'm stressed that we had a house full of people or that my in-laws were here or that I was surrounded by all this sugar. And so she ate the donut, loved it, and like went on her way. She was able to not have the cupcakes or the ice cream because she wasn't hungry for it. She didn't want it. She wanted the donut, but she wanted the donut when she was ready for the donut. So that was just cool to hear her story because she was like, normally I would have had, you know, a donut every day and I would have had the cupcakes and the ice cream and she, I just didn't want it. I wasn't hungry for it. So she learned to listen to her body and what she was really hungry for. Oh, I love that. And I love just the success of it too, understanding our body and knowing we don't have, just because it's there, doesn't mean we have to have it. And especially if we're not hungry, because like what we were talking about, it's like those signals of hunger, because sometimes we don't have those because I think a lot of people do but sometimes we train ourselves not to have them or it's just this innate thing. I know like I sometimes don't remember when I'm hungry, when I was going full force in therapy practicing, I had like 16 hour day or 12 hour days and I wasn't eating enough because I just like didn't remember. I wasn't getting signaled because I was drinking coffee all day instead of like actually eating nutritious foods. And then even when I switched, moved into the entrepreneur world, it was still the same aspect of working 16 hour days and forgetting to eat. But I think 
being able to just like what you said, helping her really identify when she is hungry and not like forcing herself, but not restricting or anything, but being able to just listen to her body. And that's the biggest thing. It is because how many of, our, of us are programmed? Oh my gosh, it's noon. I have to eat lunch. We don't ever ask, am I really hungry? Yeah. yeah. Or, oh my gosh, it's time to eat lunch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's the thing. There's no right or wrong way, but it's like, again, like everybody's so different mm-hmm. and we can't fit into a box just because maybe society tells us to. Mm-hmm. It's what feels right for you because that's going to energize you. There's every way is different. And that's the beautiful thing of coaching too. You're able to really customize it per person. You can have a solid foundation, but being able to do what's best for each person as well, I think is amazing. And I'm curious because, you know, a lot of it has to do with the diet culture where we're talking about is self-image. And I'm curious, what role does self-image play in a person's relationship with food? And how do you support women in improving their self-image and body acceptance? Yeah, I think it, they're so interconnected, as you said. And I think part of it is we have been told this lie that once we lose weight or we're a certain size or we are a certain number on the scale, we will be happy and life will be good. And I'm sorry, but that doesn't even make sense. Like if my struggle is my children are rude and disrespectful to me, and that makes me frustrated and eat the Oreos because I'm frustrated with that, me losing weight isn't going to change the the behavior of my kids. Like, I think that we've been taught this lie. And so I think really you've got to figure out what is causing that within us and work on that. Because I think learning to listen to your body and being able to like have a safe space to share what you're really thinking and feeling where you're not judged. I think those are two really big factors in the healing journey. But I think too, being strong enough to like, say, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. This is what I believe. And being able to do all of that is really what creates the confidence and the self-esteem that so many of us look to the scale or the size for, because it's an inside job. And we have to do that internally where we've been taught that it's an external thing. Because I think when you're confident and you listen to your body, you know who you are, you know what you're willing to accept and not accept. And so if it's your children's behavior, you're going to be a little more firm with them and you're going to maybe discipline them and you're going to, you know, not tolerate that. And I think that's what happens too in our relationship with food. Oh, I'm not hungry and it's my birthday and everybody has food around me and they're making me feel bad or guilty that I should have it, but being able to say, you know what? Thank you. I'm not hungry. And knowing that's who you are, that's what you stand for. It's not rude. Like we have believed that if we say no, we're rude. And there's just, there's so much around that, as you can tell, because I'm like going all these different ways, but it's so interconnected. And I think a lot of that is really just helping women trust themselves. I think that's what, what it comes down to. I love that. And, you know, it just goes out of this because a lot of times culturally food is such a big part of life. And just what you were saying with the birthdays. And I know I've been to like different cultures, different friends and whatnot, where if you don't eat, it's rude or Mm -hmm. there's, but I just made all this food and you're like, well, I'm not hungry or I just ate or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But I think that's such a a really important aspect too of understanding the families might not understand based off of culture. And I feel like a lot of cultures are like that as well. Like I'm I'm half Italian and I know it's always like eat, eat more and more, (laughs) Um, like really good food and all the different people I'm associated with as well. 
I've just experienced that. Have you experienced any clients that were culturally, it's been really challenging for them in that regard, what you were just saying with like the birthday party or anything like that? Have you ever experienced anything like that with clients? I think so, but I think Dr. C, it's worse. Like the the thought around it and what it will be like mm-hmm. is worse than the actual reality of it. Because we make it to be this thing in our mind where, oh my gosh, I'm going to say no thank you and everybody's going to be mad at me or they're not going to like me or they're going to shun me. That has never once happened. You know, maybe they're a little bit like, oh, maybe you should eat a little bit more. And they kind of like will razz you a little bit, but it's mm-hmm. never been as bad as it's been made out to be in our minds. So it's a lot of kind of like, role playing and let's figure out like, okay, let's say that happens. How are you going to respond? And really, I think being prepared and able to handle what happens as best you can is helpful in being proactive, but it's never been as bad as we think it will be. (laughs) That's true. The mind can be a powerful thing. (laughs) Unfortunately, too powerful sometimes. Right. (laughs) Even with building your business, I'm, I'm curious because I know it's been up and down. It's not like smooth sailing. Correct me if I'm wrong. But no. <laughs> <laughs> what have been maybe one or two obstacles you've encountered on this journey of building your business, building the coaching and everything along those lines? I think the biggest thing is figuring out how I help women and being able to articulate it because my story is so complex. Like you probably heard, you know, there was trauma and there was food allergies and there was emotional eating and there, I mean, there were so many pieces of the story. And so it was like, how do I focus in on who I'm called to serve and how I'm called to serve them? And how do I say that in words that will appeal to them? Cause I don't want to do weight loss. That's never been my heart. Um, and so really kind of, how do you navigate, like, what do people want while giving them what they need? And that I think has been the hardest thing. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think that's very hard for all of us. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think every single entrepreneur probably 90% have had that same struggle. Well, how do I make this what they want, but what's really underneath all of that? But even with the obstacles, you've had a lot of success. You've helped so many women in particular of just their journey of food and their relationship with food. What would you say have been some of the tools that you've used to build your business, whether it's like technology or anything like that, that have been really helpful in building your business. I think coaching has been really helpful because I think, you know, coaching for me, I do it by myself. I'm a solopreneur. So I take the kids to school and I'll come home or work and it can feel really lonely and isolating. So I think being connected to other coaches has been really powerful. So community, um, but then I think also coaching and really kind of looking at, okay, what are my blocks? What are my beliefs around certain things and what's stopping me from going forward? Because I think we can learn how to do anything, right? Like you can learn how to create a website or you can find somebody to create your website. But I think underneath all of that is the belief. And do you really believe you can do this and that people need your help? And so I think that's been a really big piece too. So I think community coaching and I think just persistence, because it's not like an easy thing. And I think a lot of people give up before they have the chance to succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, those are phenomenal tools of understanding too how to create community, being able to have those resources available to you, your support network, but also people that are pushing you to keep going when you're not feeling it or anything along those lines. And being a mother, I'm sure on top of all that can be really challenging or integrating it all. So how do you integrate motherhood and entrepreneurship? You know, that has, I think, been the trickiest part too. So there have been two tricky things I've struggled with, Dr. (laughs) C, but I think 
one thing I'm really quite proud of myself for this year, I'm like, what do I want the summer to look like? And so I sat down, I think getting still is really powerful too, but I sat down, okay, in order to have like the most enjoyable summer where I'm not, I need you to get out of the house so I can work. I think I really had to plan ahead. And so I've done my, you know, emails, my social media, like I've planned things out, feel set up for summer so that I'm not stressed out. But I think part of that, again, is sitting down and kind of assessing like, this is where I want to go. And this is what I need to do to get there and giving myself the time and the space to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of times we're like, oh, I know I need to do that. And then we don't do it. And then we get frustrated and we're like pulling our hair out because the kids are loud and I need to do this thing. Well, that's on me. (laughs) Pretty challenging. (laughs) But I think it's important, right? Planning. I know a lot of people are, some people are really good at planning. Some people are just not. Like for me, I'm like the planner. My fiance is not the planner. (laughs) He just goes, he gets things done and everything. I'm just like, don't you want this like planned out? But I think to your point of, especially when you have children, there's going to be needs that need to happen. Things come up, things along those lines. I'm not a mother myself yet, but being able to have it strategic. So it isn't running around. What do I need to get done today? But being prepared for it. And I think that's just life too. You, You can never be fully prepared, but you can at least make it a little easier in that process as well. And I'm curious because I know a big part of what you do is finding freedom. And I know you wrote a book called Finding Freedom. What inspired you to write it? And what was the process like for you? Yeah, I think it was my journey. Like I just wanted other people to know that you can be stuck and you can feel like you can't change and you can feel like you're never going to figure this thing out, but you can find freedom because if it happened for me and it's happened for the women that I worked with, it can absolutely happen for you too. So that was my goal behind writing with writing it is I think so many times we can hear somebody else's story and be like, oh, okay, they were like me, they did it, I can do it too. So really to give hope, um, the process, it was long. It took like, it took me longer than it should have. I started writing it when we were living in Indiana and we have been in Arizona now for almost five years. So I had started it and then just didn't, go forward for whatever reason until now. I'm just like, I'm doing it like just enough already. Like this thing is written, let's do it. So um, it was again, probably finding the quiet time, not doing it in the summer, (laughs) but just just giving myself the time and space to really do it, I think was the key. Mm, That that definitely does help. Having (laughs) the quiet, being able to sit and just let the creativity flow. And so I'm curious, what was the process of getting it published for you as well? You know, that was interesting too, um, because it was finding the right publisher and finding like, I knew I did not want to self-publish. I'm like, I wrote the thing that was enough. Let somebody else take care of it. Um, So it was, you know, kind of interviewing a few people. What does your process look like? What is the pricing? How does that work? And then just selecting the one that was the best fit. And she did a great job. Cannot say enough good things about her. So no, I've talked to a lot of people that either self-publish or get a publisher and finding like, what's the right mm-hmm. step for you. But I love that you interviewed people, found out all the information to get a solid foundation of what you wanted to do moving forward as well. So I appreciate you sharing that. And of course. I, know, I know you do so many things, but you also have a <laughs> podcast too. So Mondays with Melissa. And mm-hmm. can you tell us more about what you talk about on there? Yeah, it's really kind of random. This is where you see like, Melissa didn't quite know what she wanted to do when she started coaching. So it's very broad. Um, It's, I talk about motherhood. I talk about food. I talk about holistic health. I talk about life. I talk about all of these things I think that we struggle with, but I, I do think if you sit down and you like assess it, 
it all makes sense because they were all things that I struggled with that led me to the brownies or the Oreos or the whatever. So it's kind of like figuring all these things out helped me find freedom in that area. And then I didn't feel like I needed to go binge in the pantry. So it seems very broad and overarching because it kind of is, um, but it's motherhood, life, faith, health, just it's kind of a hodgepodge. <laughs> No, I love it, but it's your life, right? And I don't right. think there's a right or wrong. It's just like what makes sense for you, what resonates, but also I'm sure it resonates with so many other people that have all those factors in their life, motherhood, faith, food, everything else under the sun. <laughs> but I mean, it's relatable. And I think that's what makes it stand out too. And amazing that you have it. How long have you had the podcast? I started it during COVID because I was like, I am tired of looking at these four walls and you can only hike so much in Arizona because it gets really hot. So I'm going to make a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Just go see what happens. You know? That's part of entrepreneurship too. So what, totally would you, <laughs> what would you say are your top two tips for entrepreneurs on this journey that you have learned along the way that would be beneficial? You know, I think I was thinking about this the other day. I think a big part of it is like the journey of self-discovery because I was listening to a podcast the other day and the woman was talking about like how she has laser focus with ADD. I don't know if I have ADD. I probably do just because my daughter, she's like, I think you have ADD because you're like squirrel. But I think part of it is really knowing how your brain works and like working within that parameter of what works best for you and not falling prey to everything the experts say or that this person is doing it differently, but really like tapping into who you are and the way that you're made and what works best for you, which kind of goes back to you working out in the morning. Like maybe that works best for you because that's when your energy is high, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's just knowing who you are and what works best for you. But I think too, it's, it's a continual journey of growth and change and being okay with that because the people that started with you might not be the people that finished with you. And yeah. it's not terrible. Um, but I just think you have to stay true to yourself and what you stand for, regardless of who's with you or for you or against you. And that can be hard. <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely a lot of lessons in there, but I think you're absolutely right. Who you start with isn't maybe who you end with, but everyone has a lesson in that relationship and they serve their purpose in your life. And now it's meeting new people and making space for people that do align in that phase of life and where you are in those steps. And I appreciate you sharing that. And what do you think is something that any woman listening or man that are going through that relationship with their food and wanting to change that, what do you think is the most important thing for them to know? I think they need to know that they totally can change and freedom is possible. Cause I think, again, it's that diet mentality, like, oh, if I don't do it this way, then I'm a failure. Or if I don't follow this plan and that's just not true, like that's not freedom. That's somebody else's blueprint. So I want them to know that it's possible for them. It just looks different than what you've been taught. I believe that. And I appreciate everything you've shared today. There, You are a wealth of knowledge and just <laughs> everything that you've experienced, but all the things that you've accomplished as well. And just how you are helping so many people fix or change that relationship with their food and how to really have that freedom and peace within. Because I think that just makes such a big difference in the world because when you make that difference internally, it just shines out on everybody else as well. But Melissa, where can people find you, use your services? We're going to link everything below, but if you could let us know too. 
Sure. My website is free. The number two, the letter B coaching.com. So free to be coaching.com. And I think from there, you can find my socials. You can find the book, the podcast, freebies, all the things. <laughs> Everything. Yes. It's very organized. Um, thank you. <laughs> but thank you so much, Melissa, for coming on, just sharing your beautiful light with us. I know I appreciate it. I'm sure everybody else listening does as well, but thank you again for coming on. Of course. Thank you for having me. I love the conversation. I think we could do this for days. <laughs> I know. I feel like that too. <laughs> but thank you again. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment below. What was your biggest takeaway from Melissa today? I'm sure she would love to see that comment and we'll see you on the next episode.